Good morning. I'm glad to be at church today. What about you? It's so good to see you guys today. Welcome to church. Welcome to North Star, if this is your first time with us. It's, it's an awesome blessing for us, for you to be here. And uh, it's a blessing to be around all of you guys each, each week as we worship one church with two locations. We're a church where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. That's right. It is our vision at North Star Church to glorify God, period. It's our vision to glorify God by reaching the world, by making disciples of all nations, this nation, that nation. So that is our, our vision at North Star. That's why we say that we exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. We welcome those in the house. We welcome those that are joining us online. And we welcome both of our campuses, Tupelo Campus and Saltillo Campus. Give God another praise clap today. May I say, if you're a first-time guest or you're new to North Star and you've never gotten one of these, we have these available at our guest services. Please go by there and pick one up because it, it, it starts by telling what our core values are as a church, all right? And then it, it says, it gives some stats, but then it talks about growth tracks. And then it talks about the pathway to discipleship. And so this tells a lot about who we are as a church, and I, I hope that you'll pick one of those up. Even if you're not a first-time guest, if you've never gotten one, please get one. We have plenty of those at both of our campuses. Very quickly, let me say a couple of things. One is Orange Night is tonight at the Saltillo campus at 5 p.m. If you've ever, everybody listen, if you've ever or if you are or if you're considering being a difference maker, because if you work in North Star Kids, you are a difference maker. If you have ever or if you are currently or if you would consider, come tonight. Come tonight. You don't want to miss uh, that, that meeting tonight, this, this evening at, at 5 p.m., at 5 p.m. Also, uh, oh, by the way, you can sign up and let us know that you're coming uh, so we can add your, your name by texting NSKIDS to 662-493-2311. 662-493-2311. Also, our second, I'm, I'm going to stop saying which number it is, but this just happens to be our, our very second First Saturday Serve Day. It's February the 3rd, and we'll be feeding the Salvation Army and also working uh, at uh, Helping Hands, which is just down the road, organizing. Uh, that is such an incredible ministry, Helping Hands. We support Helping Hands um, with our faith commitment giving at North Star. But if you're available and interested in serving that day, um, text the word serve. That's it. 
the word serve, to the same number, 493-2311. All right. We're beginning our third week in in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, during this fast, God has, has begun revealing things to me that if I had not been seeking to hear him so closely, I might have missed, but God has, has richly spoken and blessed uh, so many people during this time of prayer and fasting. And if you missed starting uh, that fast and you, you feel led to fast, the Bible doesn't say, you have to do it exactly the way North Star does it, and you can do that anytime on your own, of, of course. Well, we're in this series, Restart. We're about four weeks in, and it just seems like we started yesterday. But if we asked the question in the opener, uh, if, you could, if you could restart, what would happen if you could restart? The truth is we've learned during the series is that you can't go back, mm, you know, uh, you can try to make restitution, you can ask for forgiveness, you can forgive, but you really can't go back in time. You can't go back into yesterday. Jesus said, don't worry about yesterday or even today, tomorrow's uh, is coming. So you can't go back, but you can start over. Today, we're going to be talking about something that um, all of us need, every one of us needs in our lives. And we're going to look at that today in, in this message. And the, the subject or the title of my message is, Life is Better Together. Would you say that with me at both campuses? Life is better together? Let me, one more time, life is better together. Let's say it together. Life is better together. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. One thing that we've learned during this series is that our accomplishments are worthless in comparison to the ultimate worth of knowing Jesus. So we're not going to be talking about our accomplishments, but but a relationship with Jesus Christ. One of our statements (coughs) at North Star is that we're real people at a relevant church that connect people. Now hone in, zone in on that segment who connect people to a growing relationship with Christ and others in order to fulfill their life purpose. So today I'm going to be talking about um, doing life together. It was the Apostle Paul, um, he he was converted. We've talked about him some. We looked at Philippians chapter 3 and uh, today we're going to look at, at, at Paul. But after his conversion on the road to Damascus, and we're going to look at what happened when he got to Damascus, but after his conversion, after he met Jesus Christ, what he did after meeting Jesus is what we're talking about today. I hope that kind of sets it up for you. What Paul did was, was what we need to do And little did he know when he met Jesus Christ, there was this subject waiting on him at Damascus. Now, let's let's read the text, and then I'll talk about it for a little bit. In Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, I'm going to begin with verses 10 through 14. Acts chapter 9, 
verse 10. The Bible says, In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias? Now, I want to say first, Ananias, there, uh, we know of at least three Ananiases in the Bible. And I want to tell you which one this one is. There's the Ananias and Sapphira that lied to the Holy Spirit and died. Okay? That's not this one. You with me so far? There's a high priest called Ananias. That's not this one. This one is this one. Man, that was really deep. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, the Lord. He answered, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Now, let's stop again. I want to tell you which Judas this is. There was Judas Iscariot that um, we know in, in the Bible that rejected Christ, and he went out and, and uh, hung himself. That's not this Judas. Most of us don't name our kids Judas because of Judas who betrayed Christ. But in this day, there was, it was a common name. And so this is another guy in Damascus. In verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now, Ananias was pretty concerned, all right? To say the very least, when Jesus told Ananias that, that Saul was coming to Damascus, because the truth is, the very two people that Paul was going to see were on his hit list. Ananias was on his hit list. If he was going to, as he went to Damascus, he was going to look him up. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Paul was, he hated the church. He tried to, he tried to stop the church. And then on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus. And something wonderful happened. Now, for a long time, I, I used to think that that's when his name changed. Well, what, what happened on the road to Damascus is that uh, he became a new man. What happened on the road to Damascus is that he was born again. He, he, he accepted Christ as his Lord and as his Savior. Uh, in time, he, there were times that he still referred to himself as, as Saul, but uh, he, he, he also had the name Paul, and which meant uh, little one, little one. And that's why I believe that Paul had such an humble spirit about him, and not because of his name, but I think the name was very fitting. And so here, on the road to Damascus, something happened. He met Jesus. He said, Saul, I want you to go. When you, when you get to Damascus, there's going to be something going on there waiting for you. What was it? 
Well, this is a truth that I know. I hope you're taking notes. There is never just the Paul in life. There is never just the Paul. There is always a Judas and an Ananias. I'm pausing because I really want you to grasp that concept. We're not just alone. There's always a Judas. <coughs> There's always a Judas who opens up his home. Come on. You see where I'm headed. There's always an Ananias that brings healing in life. So remember that as this message unfolds. Let's continue to read in verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, you know, Ananias was, was wigging out. He was really nervous. Jesus said, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. Now, here is Ananias, and here is Judas. And what is interesting is uh, all the time that Jesus was pursuing, don't miss this, while Jesus was pursuing Paul, he was preparing Judas and Ananias. Another way of saying it, while God is drawing people to himself, while Jesus is drawing that co-worker that you have begun to befriend and share the gospel with, while Jesus is drawing that person, he's preparing you and me to, to meet their needs. So, uh, oftentimes around here I say, God is, uh, we exist so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. And so as you and I are sharing the gospel, as we're sharing the love of Jesus, not just talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus, but actually being the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth, God's at work doing two things. He's pursuing those people, but he's also preparing us. You see, in every believer, God has gifted us. Every believer. No exceptions. In every believer, God has given a spiritual gift. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And so, if since, is a better word, since he has gifted you, I want to say this, when I said that life is better when lived together, we utilize and realize our spiritual gifts better in community. Around here we say, we want, to, we want you to move from rows. I said this a couple of weeks ago. He wants, God wants us, we want you to move from rows to circles. And so when Paul met Jesus Christ, he prepared Ananias and Judas. Judas' home and the healing and the love of Ananias. Jesus knew, because he is God and he, knew every, he knows everything. He knew, and they, he even said that in, in verse 16, that this guy is going to be suffering in my name. 
We know Paul went on to be a, a powerful, spirit-filled, Bible-teaching preacher. But he was also church-planning preacher, caring gospel-taker. But he was also going to suffer for Jesus. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house. Whose house? Judas's house. And entered it. Placing his hands, Ananias, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 18. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could, he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Did you know that, that God puts people in your life? God has put people in your workplace. It may be somebody you're not just really fond of. Said, aren't we supposed to like people, preacher? We're supposed to love people. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. But this is what I know, that God has put people in your life so that you will share the gospel, so you will, you, you will share your uh, Christian compassion for in verse 19, it says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. When God puts a Judas, when God puts an Ananias in your life, something changes. And the Bible says that, that, he, that Paul was Saul, he was there in community. He was there in community. He needed, we don't know how long he was there. The next passage that we're going to read uh, tells us that he immediately began to preach the gospel. We don't know exactly how long that he stayed there, but he stayed there in community. If it was important for a guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, I'm telling you, it's, it's important for us. We need to be in community with one another, bearing one another's burdens, loving one another, helping one another, serving with one another in community. If the only time that you ever come to church or experience Christian community is on Sunday morning, I'm telling you, you're missing, you're missing something. Verse 20 says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember, this is Saul that persecuted the church. Now he's preaching the gospel. Verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished and, and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Uh, that's, that's what he was intending on doing, but something happened. He met Jesus. And it says, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, 
There was this conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. The first thing that Paul did, if you're taking notes, was get in community. Now, Jesus sent him to Judas's house, and he had prearranged that Ananias would lay hands on him, and he was blinded for three days. Now the scales fell off his eyes, and now he could see. But the Bible teaches that he was in community. Did you know that we're stronger as a church when we're in community? I know Ananias was a little reluctant at first. I, I would have been too. But Paul showed up and Ananias obeyed Jesus and life was never the same again. Now, isolation is a very dangerous thing. I just want to camp here just for a couple of minutes. Isolation, I, I know some people like to be alone. That's like they're in their DNA. They, uh, they kind of like it. it. They struggle to be in crowds. I, hey, I get, I get that. A lot of people uh, like alone time, but that's not what this is. Isolation is a very dangerous thing. To be isolated as a believer is, is not healthy. In fact, it is, we have scientific proof that we are healthier mentally, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually when we spend our lives in community. So, Pastor, I, look, I got so many things on my to-do list. I've got so many things that I'm involved in. Hey, I'm, I, I can't control your schedule. But I can stand here and teach the truth of God's Word that life is better when you're in community. I said isolation is a very dangerous thing. Let, let me sh show you first what isolation does. This is what isolation does. If you're taking notes, just write, write it down. Because you may be one of those that, that are isolated spiritually. Uh, when I said scientific proof, um, it has been studied that babies mature and develop fuller when loved and touched and held early on by their parents. And the same is true for us in Christ. And so if we have isolation going on in our lives, number one, isolation leads to confusion. If you find yourself isolated, not spending time with other believers, it is very likely that you, 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 will, you will face some confusion. Can you imagine? What if the Apostle Paul had not had the home of Judas and the friendship of Ananias? What if, what if he met Jesus on the Damascus Road and, and he stayed isolated? He, I believe what happened in Damascus is that he was discipled. When Jesus says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. It is more than preaching the gospel message. It is discipling, and that takes place in community. You can be discipled. You can study on your own. 
No doubt. That's good stuff. But the, it is not a replacement for being in Christian community. What do we call that around here? We, we call it small groups. That's moving from rows to circles. And so if, you, if you're isolated for whatever reason, his fault, her fault, their fault, your lack of desire, your lack of consistency, your lack of commitment, your heart is, is, is not on fire like it was when you were, and you, you know what I'm saying? Isolation can often lead to confusion. Let me tell you another thing that isolation can do. If you're not involved in Christian community, I'm talking about more than just on Sunday morning. We, we call it fellowship around here when we stand and talk and we don't rush out the door and we kind of hang around and build relationships and get to know people. But th there's a limit to that. You can only do so much fellowship on Sunday morning because we do have so many things going on. But if you're in isolation, on the other hand, it can lead to depression. Let, let me illustrate it. If I'm, if I'm isolated, if I'm not around other believers for an extended period of time, all right? I'm talking about digging in the Word of God together. I'm talking about praying together. I'm talking about serving together. Oh, I love to serve in community. But when I find myself not doing that, when I find myself isolated, it's very easily, easily to become depressed. I get in my little head, my messed up head. Thank you for not amening that. That nobody likes me. That, that they've got something against me. And so I'm isolated. I'm in my own little bubble. And when I'm isolated, I, I can get in my head that um, no, nobody really cares for me. Another thing that isolation does, isolation leads to destruction. Destruction. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. He said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. He goes on and talks about wolves. And what a wolf will do is a wolf will spot an isolated deer or sheep or animal. And it, it will prey upon it because it's isolated from the herd. It's isolated from the flock. And so a wolf will rush in and attack. And what Jesus was saying is that the devil is like that. And so when, when you and I are isolated... <coughs> And we, we find ourselves not in Christian community. You know what the devil does? He tries to destroy us. He tries to destroy us emotionally. He tries to destroy us in every way. So that's isolation. <laughs> but let me tell you what community does. All right? Do you want to hear that? Say amen. Amen. Community, this is what community does. Community, number one, Community leads to healing. If it had not been for the home of Judas, well, I know God is all-powerful and all-knowing and omnipotent and, 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 and omnipresent. But you know what? 
I believe if God had not, if Judas said, no, I'm not, I'm not opening my home. Ananias, you think he was reluctant? I'm thinking Judas was reluctant. He's going to get in my living room and he's going to, he's going to tie me up and take me in. But that's not what happened. Because Judas opened his home. Judas opened his home. Community brings healing. And it was there in that place. Ananias laid his hands on him. God did the healing. But healing occurred. And I'm telling you, in community, church, I, look, I love to get up and come to church. I'm a weird bird. I get that. That's why I can say that about myself. If I didn't think it and I said that or you said that, I'd be offended. But I am. I'm weird. I'm different. I, I can't wait. I, get, I wake up like it's crazy on Sunday. It's crazy. I'm crazy. I get that. I get up and I'm thinking, I, I can't wait to get there. And then I have to wait. I'm thinking, I should have slept later so I didn't have to wait so long. I have to wait till people get here. It's more to it than that because I, I know I've got to talk and all of that. But, but guess what? I love to talk on the from the stage or from the floor. I, I talk sometimes when, when I'm not preaching, but I love to preach. But church, I want to tell you something. More, listen, more than me loving to get here on Sunday morning. More than me wanting to stand up here and, and speak the Word of God, because I'm called to do that. I love coming through those doors. Because I know that I'm in a place of community, and when I'm in my small group, I'm in a place of healing. Community not only brings healing, but it brings clarity. Don't you know that Paul, who was a Hebrew of Hebrews, Jew of Jews, knew the law, kept the law, persecuting the church, don't you know that this, uh, this time in community was vital as Ananias and Judas, and not just them, the others in the small group, the disciples, they started connecting the dots for Paul. He had the knowledge, but man, he didn't know it was Jesus. He thought that was an uprising and a movement until he met him. And so the disciples in Paul's small group opened up the Word and, and said, you know, that, that's what this means. He's the one. And they started connecting the dots for Paul, and it brought such clarity. But guess what? When you're in community, it does something else. When you're in community, it, it brings unity. I'm telling you, man, you, you can't pray together and get up and be mad at each other. You can't study the Bible together and love on one another with God's love and not want to Get involved in ministry and serve. It's a unifying thing that takes place. And so as the disciples, as Ananias, as Judas, and as Saul, 
started studying the Word of God together. It brought what was reluctance on the part of Ananias. It brought unity in the body of Christ. One last thing. When you're in community, it brings consistency. If you find yourself struggling to to have the momentum that you once had, if you find yourself struggling reading the Bible on a regular basis, if you find yourself struggling with you fill in the blank, I want to ask you, are you in community? Are you in community with the body? We need it. Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road and community was waiting on him in Damascus. The Bible says, and at once, he who had preached against the church, he who had preached against Christ, now was preaching for Christ. And it made such a difference in his life. It changed, it turned history. Because the church movement began and people by the hundreds and thousands and millions and even billions began to come to Christ. Get in community. I want to challenge you to do three things. Four. One, open up your heart. Open up your heart. Two, open up your home. Three, open up your schedule. Make time. And four, if if you're not in a community, I want to challenge you today. Try it. Let me, let me qualify this. Community is made up of imperfect people. Can I get an amen? My, my small group, man, it's so messed up. So, so is some of yours, okay? We're messed up people. We are. But there's nothing like getting in that consistent atmosphere, that unifying atmosphere, that healing atmosphere called community. So the fourth thing, if you're not in community, you have been, but you're not, you never have been, I want to challenge you today to get into community. Uh, On our website, ns.church, you can go there and Uh, look at the groups and then find a group but this is what I want to challenge you to do today when you came in you received a listening guide a handout and on the bottom there's a a perforated part that tears off and on one side of it it says I want to get in a small group that's what I'm talking about today community would you fill that out check it check anything else that you want to check and uh, you can either bring it to guest services or, or put it in the, the bucket as you leave either of our campuses. I want to be in a small group. I want to be in community. Did you receive this today? Just say amen. Amen. amen.
Father, thank you for today. Thank you that people even today are opening up their homes, their hearts, their schedules. And God, for those that even on this day will fill out, fill out that card saying, I want to be in community. Thank you for them. Now, if you realize today for the very first time that you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to Christ. You can say this from your heart. It it's, must be followed with faith and repentance, but call on him. The Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never done that, would you just say this to God? Dear God, today I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, today I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave. Lord, today I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. I trust you as my Savior. I put my trust in you, and I follow you as Lord. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that decision, you made that decision, take that same card and indicate on there that you prayed to receive Christ. Maybe your prayer today is, Lord, help me to get past the past. I can't go back, but I can start over. Help me to restart today in this area of my life. I don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. I'm not blaming anymore. God, I just want to restart. I'm going to ask that everyone at both of our campuses to please stand because I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for not giving up on us when even we even give up on ourselves. I pray, Heavenly Father, that these final moments of worship, God would honor you, would glorify you, and that your Holy Spirit today would just seal those decisions that are being made today. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for, for just a... a, a, a a true sense of experiencing you in this place. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us and through us. God, be honored, we pray in Jesus' name.